DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults with His Excellency, Archbishop George Lucas. The United States Catholic Catechism for Adults is an adaptation of the Catholic Catechism. It serves as a resource for those who wish to become acquainted with Catholicism. It is an invitation for all the faithful to continue growing in the understanding of Jesus Christ and His saving love for all people. The United States Catholic Catechism for Adults with His Excellency, Archbishop George Lucas. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. One Woman's Quest Elizabeth Bailey came from a wealthy Episcopalian New York family. Born in 1774, two years before the signing of the Declaration of Independence, she came into a world of conflicting loyalties, royalists and revolutionaries. Her father threw in his lot with the American Revolution. At 16, Elizabeth fell in love with William McGee Seton, a wealthy businessman. Three years later, in early 1794, she married William and in time gave birth to three girls and two boys. The couple was married for only a few years before a series of problems began to affect the family. By 1801, William's business had failed and so had his health. William and Elizabeth accepted an offer from the Felici family of Livorno, Italy to come there to help William recover. However, shortly after arriving in Italy in late 1803 with his wife and eldest daughter, William died. The Felicis comforted the widow and children and impressed them both with their strong Catholic faith. While in Italy, Elizabeth spent much time visiting various Catholic churches and spending time in them praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament. After about six months, Elizabeth returned to New York where she was reunited with her other children and she decided to become a Catholic. A year later, she was received into full communion with the Catholic Church on March 4, 1805, by Father Matthew O'Brien, pastor of St. Peter's Church in Lower Manhattan. Her family and friends abandoned her, but Antonio Felici, who was in New York at this time, supported her. Now she needed to make a living and support her family. She wanted to open a school. She received an invitation from Bishop John Carroll to start a school for girls near St. Mary's Seminary on Paca Street in Baltimore. This became the groundwork of a career that would lead her to become the foundress of the American Sisters of Charity and that would lay the basis for the United States Catholic school system. She provided free education for the poor while also accepting tuition from those who could afford it. Cecilia O'Conway of Philadelphia joined her effort. They discussed starting a religious congregation to ensure the future of their ministry. Bishop Carroll supported the idea. In a short time, their dream became a reality. Property was purchased at Emmitsburg, Maryland. Other women joined Elizabeth and Cecilia, and together they formed the nucleus of the new community. Mother Seton, as she was known, founded orphanages in Philadelphia and New York. Her successors went on to establish a stunning array of charitable services. Mother Seton did not neglect her own children. 
Her daughters were educated in her school. Her sons received their schooling at Georgetown College. She encouraged her son William to become a banker. Instead, he chose to be a merchant seaman. Eventually, he settled down, married, and had two sons, one of whom became an archbishop. Elizabeth Ann Seton died in 1821 at the age of 46, and she was canonized in 1975 as the first native-born North American saint. Her feast day is celebrated on January 4th. St. Elizabeth Ann Seton and her journey of faith point to the reality that in all of us there is a longing to know God and to draw closer to Him. The story of how she responded to that longing is a suitable introduction to our opening lesson on the human longing and capacity for God. Welcome, Archbishop Lucas. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be with you. We've just heard a reflection on the life of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in this opening chapter, which is entitled, My Soul Longs for You, O God. It's essentially about the human quest for God, which is taken up in the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults. It's a wonderful place to start, isn't it? It's a great place to start because, in a sense, this is where God starts with us. When God creates us so lovingly in his own image and likeness, we are created to come to know God, and there's a desire built into us, we might say, not only to know God, to understand God's ways, but finally to be with God. That's the the way that we're made. And so every person, no matter where they might be on their spiritual journey, or maybe they haven't even begun a spiritual journey, but have that same capacity and perhaps an even unnamed desire within them for God. Elizabeth Ann Seton is an interesting choice, isn't it, as the, the person who would be the saint that would lead us. Quite an incredible American woman. Right. She had a very rich life, and like so many of the saints, her life ended up in a place where she wouldn't have imagined when she was a young person. But the point is that she was open to the will of God that presented itself sometimes in very clear ways, sometimes in challenging circumstances, sometimes in tragedy or, or sadness. But in all cases, she went along with, we might say, this uh, quest that uh, was sort of built into her uh, to understand more and more what God might have in mind for her and then how she could actively cooperate with God's plan for her. And of course, we see the the wonderful fruit of that life that was um, more and more turned towards God's plan. Every human heart, not just some special hearts, but every human heart quests for God. I think that's that's quite a mystery, isn't it? I mean, to think about because we're all created so differently. Right, and that God's creative design is expressed in a, in a unique way in, in, in each of us. But it's a wonderful place for this catechism to start because I think we're trying to express to people, this is about you and me, about each of us. We're, this isn't a book about some special saints, even though we begin each chapter with the story of somebody who had a very special manifestation of holiness in, in their lives. But this desire for God and really the sense, as we reflect on it, that we'll never be complete, we'll never be fully ourselves without God, and ultimately till we are fully alive in God. That's something that, that we all share. Mm-hmm. And however we might express it, however we might realize it or even stumble on it in our lives, this is really about each of us. And so it is, I think, a wise way to begin this walk through this adult catechism. A Meditation found in the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults. 
From the Confessions by St. Augustine Where did I find you that I came to know you? You were not within my memory before I learned of you. Where then did I find you before I came to know you? If not within yourself, far above me. Late have I loved you, O beauty ever ancient, ever new. Late have I loved you. Created things kept me from you. Yet if they had not been in you, they would not have been at all. O eternal truth, true love and beloved eternity, you are my God. To you I sigh day and night. You were with me, but I was not with you. Created things kept me from you. Yet if they had not been in you, they would not have been at all. You called, you shouted, and you broke through my deafness. You flashed, you shone, and you dispelled my blindness. You breathe your fragrance on me. I drew in breath, and now I pant for you. I have tasted you. Now I hunger and thirst for more. It talks about that human quest and that that God is discovered also through creation and through the mystery of our inner life, through creation on the outside and then also in the interiority. They go together very nicely. And, and of course, what's um, expressed here is uh, this is something that involves each person. So even before we get to the, the level of faith and, and before we begin to talk about responding to God in, according to a, a particular design or particular aspect of revelation, we can uh, see that we are made uh, to be disposed to God and, and to know God. One of the most obvious ways that, that we see that is in the beauty of the created world around us. And really, no matter where we live in, in this world, no matter what the terrain or the climate, we are treated to some very beautiful sights and sounds and smells and experiences in the created world around us. And it leads us anybody who's the least bit reflective, leads us to wonder, where did this all come from? What's, what or who is the origin of not only the beauty, but also the order? And of course, as in our scientific age, we have the ability to, to, in some ways, explain more things. But also, science really leads us to appreciate the, the wonderful order according to which the world is being created by God. So that sort of awakens in us this quest, this question, you know, who or, or what is the origin of this? What mind, what beauty is the source of, of all of this? It's interesting because the word awe, the awesomeness of creation can sometimes lead us to think that there's something way beyond us, that there is, you know, this great creator way beyond out there and we're just the little teeny specks of everything. And yet, for us, and what's been revealed to us is that he also speaks within our interiority, that mystery of the inner experience. And that's a little harder to identify and to grapple with, isn't it? 
It is, but it's part of the of our of the universal experience. Again, because of the way that God has created us, we see even in our own reflections, in our own thoughts, in the conscience that we have, even though we might not be able to name mm-hmm. what it is, the uh, a sense that we have that that there are some things that are right and and part of good order and part of the the way that we're designed, we might say, and other things that are opposed to that 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 harm that. That can be a very personal reflection. People, even without faith, can talk about that sort of thing to one another and begin, even within ourselves, to wonder, well, you know, where do I get this? Where do these thoughts come from? Where, where does this sense that, that there's a, a good way to do things, a better way some, sometimes? Some things that strike me right away as fearsome or, or mm-hmm. evil or, or hateful. Mm-hmm. We don't have to be taught that so much. You know, we, we come to that right away. And so we see outside of us in the grandeur of creation, as you say, that, and have this sense perhaps that, that God is very far away, some, some very distant force, distant person, distant being. But also the way we're made leads us to think, well, God's in touch with me very close, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. just right, right within me, and, and perhaps that I might even be able to, to be in touch with God somehow within the, the beauty and the order of my own person, the, the way that I have been created. It's a, that quest for God that the Catechism talks about that people throughout history have tried to identify, can I say, the sacred. They're not sure exactly how to explain it. And the Holy Father, in a series of audiences on prayer, uh, spoke right off the bat about how uh, the human person has had that, that desire. And it's been demonstrated throughout history. You see it even in pagan religions, some very, what we might, from our perspective, call rather crude you know, approaches to the sacred. But it is, again, part of a, a very common human experience, and it's God's presence being revealed in us in what we might call a more informal way. We get to a more formal revelation a little bit later on. But we begin with this understanding that because of the way we have been made, we haven't made ourselves, we're not creating ourselves because of the way that that has been done, the way we are formed, there's a, a built-in capacity not only to want to be with God or to know more about God, but there's the capacity even to know God. Mm. In that quest, some have come to a conclusion that there is no God and that uh, there have been books sold and have become bestsellers that say that it's a, a God delusion, that he cannot be known because he's not there. Very bluntly, we're speaking about atheism. And some people are working very hard to promote that these days. Mm-hmm. The fact that they have to work so hard at it, I think, should give us the sense that maybe uh, they're having to construct something that has really no foundation. Once we've been given the gift of faith, it seems tragic, you know, to, to see the life of, that someone particularly has dedicated himself or, or herself to trying to dismantle or override what we really do observe in, mm-hmm. in the beauty and the order of creation and what we even find in ourselves. Again, as we study the faith, we learn more about the effects of sin, effects of original sin particularly, so that not everyone or any of us in in every place is able to recognize what God might be putting right in front of us because of the effects of sin. We can't see clearly. Our understanding is darkened sometimes. We're affected by fear or, or guilt, by all kinds of things. So where there is this beauty right in front of us, this beauty right within us, this real desire that's been planted in each human heart, for union with God, that sometimes can be obscured. So we can perhaps encourage that obscuring by our own choices. Again, we just look at someone who is so unable 
to see that or to recognize that as really in a kind of a tragic situation. Mm-hmm. It, it may not be their own doing. Even the study that we're endeavoring to undertake in, under the United States Catholic Catechism is to get to know God because he wants to be known, doesn't he? He does. And again, even before the, the formal opportunity to study the faith, God is revealing himself already, as we've been saying, mm-hmm. you know, both outside of us and in us. So in his own plan for our nature and how we're put together, God could have made himself and his purposes much more obscure than he did. But already we, we get the sense at the very beginning of how much God does want to be known by us. There's a interesting statement that is made in this first chapter of the United States Catholic Catechism that says that the church does more than welcome new members. She forms disciples. So it's not just about knowing God and him knowing us, but there seems to be a demand that we go beyond even ourselves. Well, this is that seeking that we've been talking about, uh, the seeking Mm -hmm. for which we have been made. We know that in our parishes every year, so many people come through the RCIA process looking for a deeper relationship with God in and through our Savior Jesus Christ. That's a much more formal approach, we might say. But it's, it really does represent a kind of flowering of this seeking that, that is built into all of us. And so it's the desire of the church not just to sign people up, to, to say, okay, here's somebody who wants to believe in God, we'll have another member, but to undertake with the person who feels called to, to come to God to walk with that person, and with each of us, really, even after we have been, been baptized and have been living a sacramental life, it's, uh, it's part of the, the desire, the, the nature of the church to continue to foster in us this sense of discipleship, of, of continuing to grow in this relationship with God, and to see that that seeking, that always wanting more, always wanting to understand more, wanting a closer relationship to God, that that's something that's going to go on our whole life long, mm-hmm. until by God's grace, finally, we, we see him face to face. When we speak of the church, what exactly are we talking about, just for those who are hearing us? Is it, is it the church down the street, or is it something more? Sure, we're, we're referring to the body of Christ. We sometimes talk about the mystical body of Christ, all the baptized members mm-hmm. with uh, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, as our head. It's uh, in and through the church that we come to know the fullness of God's revelation in uh, the person of Jesus Christ, who became man, who died for our sins, who, who is risen from the dead. He reigns now at, at the right hand of the Father. So being incorporated into membership in the church is incorporation into Christ. That's, in a sense, of a more sophisticated and more involved response in faith than what the catechism begins to describe at the very beginning of what is built into every person. So to begin to have faith doesn't require that we be baptized or or that we already be members of the church. God is offering that to us in a very natural way, a more basic way, we might say, at the very beginning. And it's the responsibility of the whole church, but and each of us as members, to be outgoing in our proclamation of revelation in Jesus Christ so that people can begin to sense that what they're seeking in these initial stages of wanting to know God really come to to fruition in the life of the church. To know and to be known, that's at the heart of all that is relationship, isn't it? That's why membership, being a member in relationship, that's why it's so key, isn't it? 
Well, it's in the church and through God's revelation that's spoken so clearly in the church that we begin to understand more about the the relationship of the Trinity, first of all, uh, God's nature, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then we begin to understand that that's what God is really offering us, that in this first awakening of a desire for God or a desire to, to know more about God, that we can see how that can develop within the church in the, the relationship really that God desires to have with each of us. I think that's why it's so important for that person out there who has that quest and is seeking God, that they come to the church to have that broken open for them and to assist them in their journey, as opposed to those who may say, well, I don't need religion. I don't need an organized religion. It's just God and me. You're missing out on a very important facet of the journey, aren't they? We're missing out on most of it. Really, and but yeah, you're you're so right. And and here's the responsibility of the church, and and then of each of us individually, but particularly in our parish communities, to be open and inviting to people who have begun to to recognize their quest for God, for it to be believable for them that 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 might actually lead them to join us in the church, at least to begin to examine what it is that that we believe and and understand to be true, and how that really does mean life for us and how it allows us to grow in relationship with God that that we all desire. It's important that, in a sense, people don't see the church first primarily as an institution or, mm-hmm. or as I said earlier, some a, a group that's just trying to get more members, but that they really believe that Jesus Christ, who is the full revelation of God's love for us, is available to them personally in the life of the church. Mm, beautiful. A prayer found in the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults. From Psalm 42. As the deer longs for streams of water, so my soul longs for you, O God. My being thirsts for God, the living God. When can I go and see the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night, as they ask daily, Where is your God? Those times I recall as I pour out my soul. When I went in procession with the crowd, I went with them to the house of God, amid loud cries of thanksgiving, with the multitude keeping festival. Why are you downcast, my soul? Why do you groan within me? Wait for God, whom I shall praise again, my Savior and my God. Archbishop Lucas, in this first chapter of the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults, it really is an affirmation for that person, for all of us actually, that what we feel deep in that interiority, but also that, that awe that we see with our eyes, that it's real and it's an encouragement, isn't it, to continue on the quest. You're right. I think if this all seems too private to any of us, too personal, you might say, we think, well, maybe I'm just weird. Maybe I'm having thoughts that that's just that come out of my imagination that have really nothing to do with, with any kind of God. And so to have it expressed so beautifully here that this is really the common human experience and that uh, people who have gone before us have not only had this experience of a quest for God or desire for God, but that that has led them someplace to a very beautiful and life-giving experience 
in the church, particularly in living relationship with Jesus Christ. So it, it is such a great place to, to begin, in, uh, I think a comfortable place where those who are just examining this quest or this thought for the first time might see not only is it something that might have just occurred to them, but it really is, is a valid part of the, of the human experience. Mm, beautiful. Thank you, Your Excellency. Thank you very much, Chris. You've been listening to the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults with His Excellency, Archbishop George Lucas. To learn more about the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults, go to usccb.org, the website for the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or download this episode, along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of DiscerningHearts.com in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Join me next time for the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults with His Excellency, Archbishop George Lucas.